2: Good morning, and thanks for joining me for Rise and Crime, your morning caffeine hit, all about crime. All right, remember the guy out of Illinois who appeared on Family Feud with Steve Harvey in 2020? Okay, he's the guy who when asked what was the biggest mistake you made at your wedding? He answered by saying, honey, I love you, but said, I do. Well, here, just listen. What's the biggest mistake you made at your wedding? Honey, I love you, but said I do. (laughs) Not my
0: mistake. I love my wife. I'm going to get in trouble for that, aren't I?
2: Well, we've been following this story since early May when a jury convicted 40-year-old Timothy Beliefnick of brutally shooting and murdering his estranged wife, 41-year-old Becky Beliefnick. Now, a judge on Friday sentenced Timothy to life in prison without parole. The state had contended that when the marriage had soured after years of emotional abuse, emotional abuse Tim against Becky, well, they said Tim had moved about a mile away from the couple's previously shared home where she was still raising their three boys. It is then believed that he took measures to begin stalking her movements. Prosecutors said that Timothy, using the alias John Smith, negotiated the purchase via a burner phone of a bike with no reflectors. Now, when John Smith arrived to purchase that bike, he was driving an orange Toyota CRV, which is the car that Timothy drives. The man doing the driving and the buying was also described as an athletically built man with long, dark hair. That description matched what Timothy looked like at the time. Now, prosecutors contended that the purchase of a dark colored bike with no reflectors was so that it could be difficult to see the bike and the rider in the dark, even on like security cameras that are on houses. Well, detectives did gather security footage of each time a person on a bike showed up near Becky's home. They then cross-referenced Timothy's cell phone, his laptop, and his WHOOP armband, and he they checked those activities against the exact times the bike was there. Mysteriously, those three devices showed no activity during those relevant times. And if you're asking what a WHOOP armband is, it's just like a Fitbit. It's basically a digital fitness tracking device. Well, the prosecution even narrowed down the time frame of stalking to a pivotal moment on February 13th. Okay, see, Becky had begun dating Ted Johnson, kind of casually getting a little more serious and they've been dating for several months prior to the divorce that has been caught up in a legal battle for more than two years. On that exact evening, Ted's at Becky's house and so is the guy on the bike. For a time period from about midnight to 1.30 in the morning, all of Timothy's devices, the laptop, the phone, the whoop armband, they're all not activated. Then Timothy reactivates everything at 1.32 a.m. And he spends the next 38 minutes searching the internet for terms like, how do I find the owner of a license plate? Or, How do I break into a window with a crowbar? Or this one, how do I check if a gun is registered to me? And also, can I just wash off gunpowder? And how do I create a homemade silencer for a gun? Those are pretty damning internet searches. All right, just 10 days later, Timothy climbed into Becky's home by using a crowbar to pry open his son's bedroom window. He then shot Becky. 14 times with a gun that had a homemade silencer, killing her while her young boys, ages 12, 10, and 6 slept. She was found lying on her bathroom floor, and detectives later matched up bullet casings found at Becky's home with casings found at Timothy's home. Now on Friday, Judge Robert Adrian told Timothy during his sentencing hearing the following, You planned this murder. You practiced this murder. You broke into her house and you shot her 14 times. Some of those shots were fired while she was lying on the ground. And you did all of that while your children were upstairs at your house, lying snug in their beds. Now, Timothy did not testify in his own behalf at trial, and he also chose to not speak at the sentencing hearing. In fact, the defense exhibited no evidence at trial and presented no witnesses but several members of becky's family did speak in heartfelt and emotional impact statements at the sentencing now becky's mother said while looking at timothy that he took becky from her boys and that she was the one who loved them the most on this earth her sister said that every video of becky's laugh makes her forget for a moment the reality that timothy has created for them She said that Becky was her only sister, her best friend, and that she locks away her own suffering so that she can move forward with her family for the sake of her family, for the sake of Becky's boys, and because Becky would not want any of their pain to give Timothy any more satisfaction. And because it is worth saying again in this update. Becky was a registered nurse who was nominated for the International Daisy Award. That award honors exceptional care in nursing. She also worked as a sexual assault nurse examiner, and she did travel during the peak of COVID-19 to help in virus-saturated areas. Now, if you or someone you know is experiencing domestic violence, visit thehotline.org for help. Again, that's thehotline.org. Okay, let's head on over to New Mexico, where a 19-year-old has been charged with the murder of her newborn son. But she now has an interesting defense. Okay, we have to jump back to January 27th for the horrendous night for hospital staff, also for Alexi's mom and police. So the 19-year-old girl named Alexi had a committed boyfriend, and she was also a cheerleader at Artesia High School. And on that day... She had claimed that she had worked out at cheer practice for three hours. Also, she said she was currently on her period. Now, both her mother, her boyfriend, and her boyfriend's mother accompanied Alexi to Artesia General Hospital, and they went to the emergency room. She was complaining of abdominal pain, low back pain, and feeling the need to have a bowel movement. Well, after arriving at the hospital, Alexi is given morphine for the pain via an IV and also blood is drawn. She does deny to hospital staff that she is sexually active. And again, she tells more hospital staff that she is currently on her period. She claims to exercise multiple times a week for more than two hours each time. And eventually hospital staff does do a pregnancy test because well, I'm just going to be honest. She looked pregnant and she was acting pregnant. Those symptoms she is presenting accompany pregnancy. Well, at 1251 a.m., the staff does verify through a blood test that Alexi is pregnant. However, they do not change her medications. At 139 a.m., Alexi tells a nurse she needs to go to the bathroom. The nurse unhooks Alexi's IV and in hallway security camera footage shows Alexi almost running down the hall with her hand covering her rear end. Now, Alexi locks herself in the hospital bathroom for about a half hour. Her mother and a nurse do try to get her to open the door during this time, asking her if she's all right. Eventually, Alexi opens the bathroom door. She exits the bathroom past the ER staff and she heads back to her room. And the ER staff is kind of like watching her. They can see some blood that is trailing behind her. Blood is on her socks. And there's, so there's some footprints in the hallway. It's so very bizarre. Then the ER staff sees the bloody mess that is in the bathroom and they call for housekeeping. So let's listen to what the woman from the cleaning staff has to say about what she found when she began addressing that mess in the bathroom
0: uh on top you know okay where so they were throwing th- the trash at when i picked that up to change it that's when i noticed that there was um uh, when i see the baby okay so you lift the liner and then saw yeah the baby okay and i know it's bugs, bugs you but can you like describe the baby yeah it, he was about that big he had hair and um he was like purplish, but, but still not, like, pink, you know, I don't know how to describe it, you know, he was like, he wasn't bruised or nothing like that, and he was like purple, pink, pink skin type color. Okay. How was the bag, what, how was the bag placed, or what? Uh, it was like they, she wrapped it around like that, and they wrapped it like under him, and then snuck, put him on the bottom of it. Okay. And... Was the baby moving at all? No. Okay. Did you touch him at all? No. Okay. And so you said you called HT and Lori. Yes. Okay. What happened? What did you see after that? What did you do? Okay. When I that when all that happened, I had, I moved the trash can. I I told them that there was a baby in the trash. I could barely talk at that moment, and so that then they started. They took over, and I I left. I mean, I went up to the nurses station.
2: All right, it's just heartbreaking to hear what this hardworking woman had to discover. Now, let's hear what the charge nurse and the doctor have to say when they were interviewed by police who were called so quickly when that mess was discovered.
0: Um, So we started waking her up. Um, We did a pregnancy test on her, she was positive. She was denying that she had sex. Um, Then she said she had to go to the bathroom. She went to the bathroom. She was in there for quite a while. We kept knocking on the door. Finally, we got her to open the door, and there was blood and shit everywhere. She was cleaning it up. Okay. So we took her back to the room, and were, I was afraid that she knew she was pregnant. She had done something to herself. Mm-hmm. Um, so the doctor started doing a vaginal exam on her. We had the lady come to clean the bathroom. She put the baby in the trash can, and then she put another clean liner over the top of it. Oh, wow. okay. So they So when they looked in there, it looked, there was no trash in there, but it was right. underneath the clean bag. The baby's okay. dead. Okay, we have him in trauma too, but she killed the kid. Yeah, how old was the how old was the baby? I don't know, it's full term. She just had it she had it in the bathroom, was what happened. And then she whatever she did, I don't know, if she's gonna lie. She wouldn't even tell us she's pregnant. She's been lying the whole time. Okay So that's what's going on. Um I just pulled the doctor out of the room, so nothing's been said to the patient or the yeah. mother that's in there yet. Okay. Um I have Leela. The housekeeper, if you want to interview her. Yeah, she's the one that kind yeah. of found. Under yeah, because I wanted to get with you guys first and then get with her right. to get her statement
1: before I even do anything. Well, this, I'm the
0: charge, and this is what has happened. Okay. You can interview the nurse that had her, Okay, the two nurses that were taking care of her. You can talk to the tech, which is Lori. She's the one that went in there and actually found, found it because legal is like this is really heavy. Okay. So then, uh Lori went in there, and then of course the baby was underneath the, r- the clean liner. Okay. Yeah, but if we can, if we can speak with Lori, that okay, would be great. And and I'll I'll okay. So, so, officer, so
1: the first thing though is I need to make sure that the. The mother, the woman who delivered the baby, is medically stable. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if she delivered a placenta. She's bleeding a lot. I just got her accepted to Loveless. Okay. So I need to get her up there as soon as possible. Okay. okay, so how I need to tell her what's going on and I need to tell the mother what's going on. The mother and they're both in there together. Uh-huh. Do, would, Is one of you willing to be, be present for that conversation? Yeah, I'll there Are you guys well. going? Yeah. Okay, let's yeah, go in right sure. now and get over.
0: we're doing that. And then I'll I'll make sure Lila comes down. All the other nurses and stuff are here. And I'll get Lila here. Okay. Okay. you give Lila Hey, um, Marina, will you get Lila back down here? Marina. Yeah. I'm sorry. We discovered a dead baby in the bathroom. Oh, my gosh. That's very
1: didn't know what to do. Lexi, I told you about this. But if I just she... asked you, baby, to tell me the truth. It, it was not crying or <laughs> What did you do to it? Okay, stop right here. Stop. <laughs> stop. stop. Number one priority, guys. Number one priority she just had a baby? I don't know if she's delivered the placenta. She's bleeding significantly. Yeah. I've spoken to the obstetrician at Loveless. They want her up there as soon as possible. Okay. We need, I need your, obviously need your permission to transfer her for medical. She she's treatment. 19. Oh, you're right. You need, but she you need, is a student too. She's still 19 are well. right. You, you're right. She needs to, I'm sorry, I forgot she's 19. Keep having me. You need to, for, to make sure that you're safe, I need to send you to Loveless to labor delivery. Will you please agree to that? Yes. 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 Okay, great. I'm going to work on that. Um, In terms, I'm sorry about this, but in terms of delivering um, a baby and it looked like you tried to hide it, we do have to have the police involved. And nothing was crying. It came out with nothing. I know, I know. But the the baby's going to have to be taken for autopsy and
2: um, there'll
1: be an investigator and everything. I'm really sorry.
2: All right, as you can hear, Alexi went into the bathroom. She delivered the baby. She claims to police that the baby wasn't breathing. And her mom, well, she basically runs through multiple emotions. There's a small moment of accusation, there's a decent amount of fear. She's pretty much terrified. And then there's some shock that she's experiencing. And at least that's what it seems to be because there isn't really any tears at any time. So I'm trying to identify what emotions were happening. I'm also trying to be as neutral as possible because I have never been through anything like this, but there is one exact thing that I find puzzling that asking about the baby doesn't happen a whole bunch. Not by Alexi, not by the mom who is now a grandma, not by the boyfriend, and not by the boyfriend's mom who is now a grandma. Now Mom does claim again while talking with police that she didn't know Alexi was pregnant. And I'll just let you be the judge of that. I'll post pics of Alexi in her cheer uniform just days before she delivered a full-term baby. And then you can decide if a mother can look at her daughter and not question whether she's pregnant. All right, Alexi has since claimed that she just thought she was getting fat from eating McDonald's every day with her boyfriend. Now, that statement I just said sounds really insensitive coming out of my mouth, but I'm going to tell you those aren't my words. Her lawyer is the one being so bold with that statement. Now, Alexi was flown to a women's center to make sure she had delivered the placenta and also to control bleeding that was occurring and she was eventually charged with first-degree murder of her newborn and tampering with evidence following the autopsy of little Alex. Yes, Alexi had a name for the baby that she didn't know she was having. Now, the medical examiner found that Alex had air in his lungs and that that finding is not consistent with a stillbirth. Alexi was released on $100,000 bond, and she even attended her high school prom with the baby's father, but she wasn't, and I'm going to put this in air quotes, allowed to attend her high school graduation. Now the school says this was a request they made of Alexi just because they didn't want to have the ceremony become a spectacle with all of the news coverage. And according to school administration, Alexi agreed and she chose not to attend graduation. And I don't want to forget about reporting on the baby. Little Alex when found by the cleaning woman, was then moved by the charge nurse to a trauma room. The doctor comes into the room and verifies that the child is dead. And I appreciated that the staff acted quickly at finding a more respectful place for little Alex to rest before being taken to the medical examiner's office. Now I knew about this case weeks ago, and I've just been kind of waiting to see where it went before reporting. And now I feel like I need to tell you all about it because Alexi has filed a lawsuit against the hospital and its staff where she delivered the baby in that public restroom. In the wrongful death lawsuit, Alexi accuses the nursing staff of giving her several medications that caused the baby to stop breathing before birth. Okay, remember, I told you that they gave her morphine. They also gave her Tordal for pain and Zofran for nausea. But according to law and crime contributor Jerry Dugum, who is a former homicide prosecutor and he's also currently a medical malpractice attorney, he says this defense by Alexei's attorney is both desperate and dangerous. He said it is absolutely not a deviation from the standard of care in the ER to administer morphine to someone who's pregnant. In fact, I'll back that up. My own daughter-in-law, who delivered my very handsome grandson a year ago, received a dose of morphine a few hours prior to delivery. Okay, but let's look at this objectively. Was it too much morphine? Well, according to the medical examiner, the amount of morphine found in the baby's blood was too low to cause the baby's death. But Alexi's attorney says that the hospital and its staff failed Alexi on that January night. Now, Alexi will remain out on bond until her trial, which is set for February of 2024. Again, the wheels of justice move so slowly. I don't expect this civil suit against the hospital to move any quicker than the criminal trial, but I will be watching and I'll let you know how this case turns out. And our next true crime update comes from Bosnia. And I really need to give a warning before I start this update. It is graphic, it is disturbing, and it's all things that shouldn't be. Okay, here we go. Nerman Soligmanovic is a bodybuilder and a fitness coach who had a troubled past that included brushes with the law, like drug smuggling, and an altercation with a police officer. He was noted to be a member of a large drug gang, but due to his career, many of his crimes were just simply dismissed. And his troubles, they weren't isolated to drugs and strangers. You guys, when I say bodybuilder, this man was huge. When he takes selfies in the gym mirror, his iPhone kind of looks so tiny in his hand. Now, he was married previously, and has fathered a child with Nizama, who is now his ex-wife. But the two our exes for a reason. His wife had previously reported instances of threats and violence from Nerman. On Friday morning, the 35-year-old from Grottokok started a live stream on Instagram that ended in horror. As the video starts, Nurman tells his followers that they would witness a live execution. He then turns the camera to his ex-wife Nizama, who is sitting on a bench on a porch of the house. Her face is bloodied and disfigured from a beating, and he tells his viewers in a bone-chilling moment, look when you're dealing with a whore who reports you to the police. When he does this, he's referring to the damage that has already been done to Nizama. But even worse than that, a crying child can be heard in the background of the live feed. Now, Nurman then tells his followers that the child is his and that his ex-wife has hidden the toddler from him for more than a week. He also complains that Nizama had reported him to police for domestic violence. He asks Nizama why she reported him to the police, and she says with lots of difficulty because of her injuries that she was afraid for her and her child. And as if this couldn't get any worse, he then says, here. Watch the murder live now. Nice and easy. Are you watching? Nurman then, without hesitation, fires a bullet into the forehead of his child's mother. Authorities said the live video reached over 12,000 viewers. Now I'm really struggling with this next part. He turns the camera towards a child lying on the floor and says, here, someone come and save the child he does end the video at this point, but the killing spree, it's not over. He goes on to film two more live videos as police are pursuing him, where he callously tells the viewers he's killed two others off camera. Police discover later that the two others murdered by Nerman are an adult man and his son. Now, this part has been incorrectly reported in some media. Initial reports said he had killed his young child. However, it seemed that the two men he killed had crossed his path and he wasn't going to let them live. In the live video, he says, I killed a father and a son. God knows how they crossed my path. I killed a woman and two enemies. I hope I killed a policeman too. Well, during the chase, Nerman did wound a police officer and another man and a woman all in various locations throughout the city. Nerman eventually committed suicide after being located by police, but before they could apprehend him. Now, in another horrible and deplorable twist, some followers on Nerman's Instagram account who viewed the video, well, they actually left supportive comments in the video feed approving of Nerman's actions against a disobedient woman. Now, prosecutors have warned that they may take legal action against those who commented. Ingrid MacDonald, the UN resident coordinator in Bosnia, spoke out against levels of violence against women in the Baltic country, and she called for an immediate collective action in order to curb future violence. She said the United Nations stands horrified by the fact that the murder of a female victim was live-streamed via a social media app. She said it is just one of the latest in a streak of female murders and severe cases of gender-based violence in Bosnia and Herzegovina. She boldly called on authorities to commit to eradicating this sort of heinous crime. She then went on to urge the international community to join forces in stopping such violence. Now, in Nizama's most recent Instagram post, she shared a tender photo of her young daughter's foot peeking through the slats of her crib. Now, in that photo description, she said her child made the future worth living for. Here, I'll just read the complete description because it's so sweet. It says that a baby will make love stronger, days shorter, nights longer, money less, home happier, clothes more shabby, the past forgotten, and a future worth living for. I can't really end this podcast any better than that hug your babies. That's your Monday edition of Rise in Crime. You can always watch this podcast on YouTube and you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok. Join me again on Thursday for more morning crime news. I'm Mama Jules and keep safe out there.